And now, a segment from the best of The Night Side with Barb DiGiulio podcast. Listen and download the latest podcast at Newstalk1010.com. Lots of us have kids in school, and in the next five to ten years, they're going to be out looking for jobs, hopefully looking for jobs in their field of study, in their career of interest. Um, And maybe you are someone who has recently graduated and you are looking for work in an area that you studied and an area that you're passionate about and somewhere that you want to be able to start your career. So there is a new federal panel on youth unemployment and the chairwoman of the panel says we in Canada uh, could see economic and social ripples in the future if we don't have a clear picture about where and how young people are failing in the job market. Her name is Vas Bednar, and uh, she says, as a country, we need to understand why some people cannot get their foot in the door or find job experience in the field they want to be in. It's it's that thing where, well, you don't have experience in the field. Well, how can I get experience if I don't get my first job? And she says, understanding why young people are not able to do that and get an opportunity to get that start will be key to understanding things like whether Canadians will be able to afford a home in the future, even afford their rent in six months' time. And it can also be connected to and give a better idea of whether some young people are delaying starting a family, perhaps worried that they can't afford childcare, which is a story that we talked about today. Uh, throughout the day, a lot of people not able to afford childcare spaces in Toronto. Uh, Vas Bednar, the chairwoman of this panel, is the associate director of the city's research program at the University of Toronto's Martin Prosperity Institute. The panel officially opened this week, and what they're going to do is go through statistics, hold consultations, meet young people, meet experts to figure out what the federal government can do in connection with provincial and territorial governments to help millions of youth already in the job market or those who are set to enter the job market. So if we look at the job numbers for August, it showed the youth unemployment rate was pretty much the same at 13.2%. Employment dropped by 48,000 from a year ago, and the population for the age group dropped by the same amount. So the youth unemployment rate in Canada is almost double the national average. It's been that way since the 2015 election campaign when the Liberals promised to create 125,000 jobs every year for young people by spending $1.5 billion over four years on a youth employment strategy. Where do you come in with this? I know we don't like to spend money on panels. Is it your experience that this is something we need? Is it your experience that you've got a kid who finished school and is having to work at a job that has nothing to do with their line of study because they can't get into a job in their field of study, in their choice of career? And as a student, is that sort of a challenge for you? Where is the breakdown for you? What could improve that situation of young people getting out of school and being able to actually line up jobs in the field 
they want to work in, in the field they want to make a career in. Hi, Anthony. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing? Great, thanks. Go ahead. Great. So uh, I just heard your statement. I thought it's really interesting uh, how this is going out. I guess it works out for what you want to study, especially in what field you're looking to go into. For example, myself, I, uh, I'm finishing up my firefighting course I'm taking, and the average age for our firefighters in Toronto, in and around, is about 30 years old. And I think the re- one of the reasons being is it's a second career for a lot of people, but it's also you have to learn to look at it. You need life experience is what they need, which mm-hmm. is what's hard to get. So when they say um, they look at people with trades, so carpenters, plumbers, uh, electricians, auto body mechanics, those whole things, you have to be able to say if this is really what you want and this is what you're willing to go to school for, it's not always a direct path from A to B. Sometimes you have to be willing to put in a few years of time somewhere else before you can uh, really collect on what you want, you know? How old are you? I'm 20 years old right now. And where are you studying? Is there a, cor- a program at a school for firefighting? Uh, yes, there is. It's a uh, pre-service course that's required. Okay, because, you know, I know other people who have tried to get in that field, and they also want things like a lot of community service and all of that, right? Oh, yeah, for sure, because it, you are a community servant. When things go wrong yes. in the community and around it, you know, you're supposed to help and you're supposed to fix it. So then, what? knowing this now, uh, what is your plan in terms of your path because you, it sounds like you've kind of resigned to the fact that you need life experience, different types of work before you will be uh, sort of at the top of the list to become a firefighter. So how does that change your plan? If Honestly, it does it change it too drastically, because I may be 20 right now, but by the time I'm right for hire, there are things I can do to stack the deck. So how um, long is your course? Always, sorry. How long is your course? It's an extended course, though. There are two semesters, but it runs from January to late October. Okay. So then are you comfortable that you will be able to find that work right away, or no, you're going to have to do other stuff first? There will be other things done first, for sure. Um, the The military is always very well looked upon. They eat that up. They love it. You can take orders. You can do what you're supposed to do on a routine, and you don't panic under pressure and stress. Right. Um, it's all about knowing that if you really want something, that there are things you have to do to get to it. But what I do feel for are people who don't think that that's what it's supposed to be, and they're entry-level jobs, and they say that fresh out of college you can get them, but then you go to apply, and they say, well, you need at least two years of experience. Mm-hmm. And then those are the questions that it's those people who are unprepared for that kind of thing that I really feel for. I got it. And you sound, thanks a lot for the call, Anthony. It sounds like he he knows what's ahead of him. He's not going to be a firefighter in a year, but he's going to have to do some other things. And he knows that they want life experience. And that's true, because I do know other people who have been through that. Um, volunteer work, community service. But yeah, it's, I think a lot of students are graduating somehow with the thought that the, jo- the jobs will just be handed to them. I don't know if the schools are giving them the wrong impression or if there's an issue out in the field that they want to be in. The federal government has got this panel now on youth unemployment that's going to try to figure out some of the answers to those questions. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Barb. How are you? Um, I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, yeah, I graduated school and um, I waitressed all throughout school just to make some extra money and help pay for stuff and then couldn't find a job right away and just kept uh, kept waitressing and now I'm a restaurant manager and still waitress as well but make more money doing that than I could in my field of study which was, um, was public health. 
and just haven't been able to find any real solid job doing that. So I've just kept going uh, as a waitress. When you graduated from school, what did you think would be your ideal first job in your field of study? Um, I thought I would work, you know, have a, a full-time position with, you know, um, a health unit or something like that. And just everything is, you know, short term or short contract work, nothing that I could make more money than I was already making. So it just seemed silly to leave behind what I was doing. And I know a lot of people that are servers or waiters, waitresses in the same situation. They just don't leave because they make more money doing that. Well, and I mean, you must uh, enjoy it on some level to be able oh, to do sure. that. Oh, for sure, I do. I, I have, you know, I can choose my own hours. I have regular customers that I know. And and so it's it's enjoyable for me and obviously wouldn't do it if I didn't like it. I don't think anybody should do something that they don't enjoy. So it, it ended up, thanks for the call, Alyssa, it ended up being a different path for her, but now she's a manager. And I got to tell you something. I think people who work in the restaurant industry, that's a tough life. I mean, those hours are very tough. So um, I have a lot of respect for people who are able to do that and who love doing that or who do well at it. Interesting feedback. We're going to continue on with your calls after the break. There is a new panel that's exploring the whole issue of youth employment in Canada. The job numbers for August showed the youth employment rate was 13.2%, almost double the national average. And part of the problem is, a big part of the problem, is trying to figure out why some young people cannot get their foot in the door. Graduate with a degree, with a diploma, sometimes with a couple of degrees, and cannot get the relevant job experience to get a start on their career. Is this something you have experienced yourself, maybe your kids? There is a new federal panel. It officially opened on Monday. They're going to go through stats, hold consultations, meet with young people, meet with experts. They're trying to figure out what the federal government can do to help millions of youth who are already in the job market, set to enter the job market. The point they're trying to avoid is they want to look at whether graduates are leaving school with the skills they need to be employed or, and this comes from the chairwoman of the panel, whether the meme of an English literature graduate working as a Starbucks barista is true. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a Starbucks barista, but if you were an English literature student looking to become a teacher and you cannot find that job, that is where the problem lies. Here is Samantha. Welcome to the show. Hi, Barb. Hey, go ahead. So I graduated with a registered nursing degree uh, last fall. Uh, I just got my first full-time position um, now. It took me over a year to get uh, this job. Uh, I couldn't even get an interview at any Toronto hospitals. I was only, anytime I would get any sort of interest, it was, you need experience, you need experience. And I was working for eight years as a medical administrator. I went back, I went back to school to get this degree. And you, you, they, they were hiring for casual positions. So I was being interviewed for potential hours, not actual hours. And it's like, how can you leave a full-time steady employment to go work as a registered nurse when apparently we need them all over the place, but you can't even get your foot in the door? Did you did something change in that year that led to this job or was this more yeah. of okay my 
uh, fortunately, fortunately for me, uh, some of my family are physicians, and they actually linked me with nursing managers. And even with the nepotism, it took me three months of interviewing with this particular hospital and going through all these managers and doing everything to even obtain this position that I've now secured for November. But this is only part-time. Okay, so where was the breakdown? What is what is the problem, so, do you what, think? What, what I found is all throughout school, I was like told over and over again, registered nursing, every, we need them all over the country. You're going to get a job. You're going to have no issue. The thing was, is what they didn't allude to was that there aren't jobs in where you want to be. So, yes, okay, you can go work full-time in the middle of nowhere in Ontario, but, I'm mm. I, like, I have a life here. I have an apartment. I have expenses, you know? Like, I want to stay where I'm from. Yeah, that can be a challenge. Samantha, thanks a lot for your call. Hey, I went through that. I remember being in uh, school for radio, uh, actually advertising, broadcasting, and being told, you got to move out of the city to get your first job. And I did. I started in North Bay. Not a lot of people were willing to do that. Um, and I think I'm the only one from the program who's actually in broadcasting right now. But the teachers, the professors, if that is the case, should let the students know that. Hi, Joel. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you tonight? Great. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay. So everybody's saying um, uh, good things. And uh, one thing for sure is that nothing's handed to you for free in this world, right? And I think you're a perfect example. The example you just gave that you went out and you you saw it and you see an opportunity and you took it. And uh, we have, we got to get rid of this uh, sense of um, in, entitlement or pre-entitlement, something that you think, well, once I graduate, the doors are going to start knocking, my phone's going to start ringing. Right. right? you got to take that opportunity on yourself, and you can't blame society for that problem either you pick the right the right course to take or the right program and you move on to that business or that industry or you fight for it do you think maybe it's a combination i'm wondering if it's a combination perhaps in some cases it's um students not being willing to sacrifice or wait or do what it takes but i wonder too from all the stories i hear if students are actually graduating prepared to work in the field that they studied in I think when, when, uh, when certain people graduate, they have a very narrow view, okay? And one of the narrow views that I find that people have is this, set, this idea of a job, okay? And a job is to be given, you, given to you from somebody else. Start looking at yourself to get, your, to get your house in order. You know, there's opportunities out there to be your own business, to be an entrepreneur, to start something for yourself instead of being an employee. There, there's more than you, than you can do than just sit in front of your computer and apply online. Like the government, yeah. you know, talk, talk about the federal government or provincial government giving opportunities. There are grants, there are business loans, there are programs out there that help people make opportunity for themselves. The, the government wants high employment. No government wants low employment. They'll do anything they can to have a high employment rate. It looks great on them and it's good for the economy. It's good for society. Joel, thanks a lot for the call. I want to take some more calls uh, before we have to break. Federal government opening a panel exploring youth unemployment in Canada, why there is a high unemployment rate, why people are graduating and not able to get jobs in their field of study. Hi, Siobhan. Hi, Bob. How are you? Great. Thank you. Go ahead. 
Good. I was listening to Seth Golden today. He's this awesome thought leader, and he was talking about how education really is for two things. It's to create leaders, and it's to create people who solve interesting problems. And so I think that the critical thinking aspect and the kind of go-get-it attitude of leadership, those two things kind of go across all kinds of careers. So I think that if you realize that you might have to apply to 100 jobs to get that first interview. And and also, uh, remember failure. Like, you have to, every failure is like something you learned. So you got to keep going forward. You can't give up and just keep trying and, and be critical thinker about it. You know, thank you for the comments and the call, Siobhan. And Siobhan had a great Huffington Post article today, too. Um, and sometimes I wonder if there's maybe some of that in there when we hear that people aren't able to find work in their field of study. Are some of them, not all of them, are some of them giving up too easy or saying, you know, it's just too difficult. We had someone call in earlier that it took her a year to get a nursing job and she did that with help of some people she knew. I mean, it was just too difficult to get in. Hi, Joan. I think what's happening um, is that the, the marketplace for a lot of the college uh, programs is just absolutely saturated. And I think, you know, my suggestion to this panel would be there has to be a moratorium on certain programs at colleges, the firefighting program, the practical nurse program, the paramedic program, the pharmacy technician program. These programs are graduating too many people. So they can apply everywhere, but there's just too many people, too other, too many people from the previous years that are trying to find that are trying to get these positions, and then the colleges graduate another hundred at this one, another hundred at this one. You know, for instance, the firefighting program, how many are there in, in the greater Toronto area? There must be six of them. So let's say they graduate 60 students every year. There's no way that the Toronto Fire Department or the Mississauga Fire Department or the Brampton or the, or the Orangeville are going to be hiring these people because they got all these other ones in the backlog. Joan, thanks so much for the call. Good. I mean, it is good points. We're we're not going to cancel programs. Obviously, we have people coming from all over the world to take programs here. But it is uh, a really good point that a lot of people are going out into the workplace and they're just not maybe not enough jobs in certain fields. Hey, Brad. Hey, how are you? Great. Thanks. Go ahead with your thoughts. Well, I think it's a twofold problem. One, companies have to do more with less. You know, so they're looking for those individuals mm. that they hire. That they, you never get hired for the job that they post. There's always more to the job. Is they're that right? For, yeah, they're looking. They're looking for for more individuals. And the other thing too is there's a set of expectations when people graduate from universities that you know they're going to walk into the seventy, eighty thousand dollar jobs, which is just not realistic. You know, they have to be doing the twenty, twenty-five thousand dollar jobs to get their foot in the door to get the experience. And I've just listened to the callers. There's been a lot of examples where they're not willing to do that. Do you think that uh, young people, and I, I don't want to generalize, but do you think um, the concept of paying your dues is not something that a lot of people are willing to embrace? I think that's exactly the case. You know, there's there's a certain generation where hey, that was that was the norm. You go in, you pay your dues, you get your foot in the door, you work, you work your way up, and if you work hard and you love what you're doing, then you end up being successful. I, think, I don't think I don't think that's the same anymore. 
Okay, Brad, thanks a lot for the call. Interesting stuff. Thank you to everybody who called in. Uh, Great feedback. And I wasn't even able to get to a lot of the text messages. So uh, thank you for your comments on that. We have an interesting, to say the least, story for you. A disgraced teacher fired for having sex with a 17-year-old student is claiming the boy seduced her and she is the victim. Mary Beth Haglin was fired from her Iowa teaching job, and she told Dr. Phil that the boy swept her off her feet. The student convinced me to send him sexy pictures, some nude. He shared them with his friends, who then shared them with their friends. Pretty soon, they were all over the internet. I did not think that he would share confidential material like that because in my mind, this was a real relationship. And in real relationships, people don't do that kind of thing to hurt each other. (laughs) We're going to play you more. So reserve your judgment unless you've made it already and there's absolutely no changing it. But we're going to play you more. I even have issues hearing that part of it. You are the teacher. He is the student. What do you mean real relationship? So the 24-year-old teacher, young teacher, obviously, with the 17-year-old student, she spoke to Dr. Phil. She says that uh, the boy swept her off her feet He did so with such intelligence and such an elevated vocabulary that she was completely duped by the whole facade. She feels like he took advantage of her in her weakest moments. She says she resisted. She knew it was illegal. It was not allowed. It was frowned upon everything. But finally, she says she succumbed to the teen's charm, even though she knew it was taboo. She and the student sat in a parked car and started making out and touching, and he was the sole initiator of that. Yes, he was always the sole initiator of all things physical. Uh, The student would occasionally come into her classroom and try kissing her, and she would try to push him away. I never wanted that to happen. And he would always try and push all of the limits, all of them. In the classroom? In the classroom. And he'd I, close the door, everybody go out, he'd come in, close the door. He would grab me in his arms and he tried kissing me and he tried doing a lot more stuff. And I kept having to push, push, push him away. Eventually I just gave in to the kissing. Were you offended by it or did you react to it positively? I mean, did how, how did you respond? I mean, physical intimacy when when you like a person especially there's a physiological response that happens so it's not like i asked to enjoy it but you did well yeah <laughs> 416-872-1010 i'm not laughing i shouldn't be laughing she could be jailed for 2 years for this but she believes that she is the victim because he was so aggressive and so persistent and she kept telling him no, and he refused to take no for an answer. She is a 24-year-old teacher who actually sounds more like a student, right? She's 24, but she probably thinks of herself more like one of the students. And she was fired from her job in Iowa for having sex with a 17-year-old student. She says the boy seduced her. Clearly, the line has to be drawn. She is in the wrong Because you cannot have a teacher-student relationship. It's an abuse of authority. It's everything wrong with it. But 
does the boy share any of the responsibility if he was the one who really wanted the relationship and he was initiating the contact and he was going in her classroom when the students left and closing the door and trying to kiss her and he was initiating uh, sexual contact. This is serious. Somebody texted in. Can I hire her as a tutor? This is a serious topic. 416-872-1010. So she spoke to Dr. Phil and he was talking to her about sending pictures back and forth. And she said, you know, I thought I was in a real relationship, but he only did it to show off. All of this happened about exchanging pictures. He thought it would be sexy. I don't know what was going through his brain. He thought it would be cool, bragging rights. I don't know to have me send him these pictures. Bragging rights. To his friends. I know, right? I know, I know. So you think this through and you say, okay, the reason that he would want these is to show his friends. No, 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 no. Bragging rights, you said bragging rights. Yes. But that came about afterwards. I'm saying that's what was probably going through his mind. I didn't think that he was going to share them with his friends. Because in my mind, if you're in a real relationship, you don't just run around with your phone saying, hey, look, 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 everybody, look how hot my girlfriend is. Okay, so here's what I'm hearing now. Do any of you know adults who actually in their mind seem to feel like they're still kids? Like I'm hearing her tell the story and she sounds like a, a girl who was jilted by a guy in a regular relationship. How can someone who is in the position of being a teacher say things like, well, I sent him pictures, but I didn't think he would share them, and he did it for bragging rights, and he was the one who seduced me. And furthermore, she claims to Dr. Phil that things got out of control. She kept sort of reminding herself, look, this is wrong. It's illegal. I could lose my job for it. And when she wanted out of the relationship, the student started threatening her and saying, I will light a match and burn your life down. Like he held everything over her head because he knew that if people found out, she would lose her job. She could possibly go to jail. She's facing a possible two years in jail. She believes she is the victim. Teacher, student, wrong. Okay, we got that. That's 100%. There's no there's no question about the line there. Does this sound to you like a teacher who understands the position she's in and a, a, a teacher who understands she's the adult and they are the kids? Does a student be, bear any of the responsibility or bottom line? She's the teacher. It is wrong. She should go to jail. He would grab me in his arms and he tried kissing me and he tried doing a lot more stuff and I kept having to push, push, push him away. Eventually I just gave in to the kissing. Were you offended by it or did you react to it positively? I mean, did, how, how did you respond? I mean, physical intimacy, when, when you like a person, especially there's a physiological response that happens. So. It's not like I asked to enjoy it. But you did. Well, yeah. Welcome back to the show. That is Mary Beth Haglin. You probably recognize Dr. Phil. 
Mary Beth Hagelin was fired from her Iowa teaching job for having sex with a 17-year-old student. She is claiming the boy seduced her. The boy swept her off her feet. He was very persistent. She thought she was in a real relationship with this student. And she sounds like the jilted former girlfriend. It's like she doesn't even recognize herself as having been in a position of authority over the student. Do you buy any of what she's saying? She's facing two years in jail, but she believes she was the victim in the relationship, in the situation. Sent him uh, pictures. She thought he would keep them to himself. He shared them with his friends. Said it before, I will say it again. There is no mistaking there is a clear line between teacher and student that cannot be crossed. So she is in the wrong there. But isn't it an interesting conversation when you compare this type of situation to somebody who is 17 years old and who is preyed upon by a 24-year-old in a position of authority? The 17-year-old, if we are believing her, went after her full force. Does that make it any different? Does he bear any of the responsibility? Or should she go to jail? No questions asked. 416-872-1010. Text us at 71010. After listening to her talk, I find it hard to believe she was even in a teaching position, sounding like, apparently thinking like, one of the students. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Hi, Barb. This is funny. I mean, uh, look, at as a guy, I would imagine like most guys, we grew up with probably a crush or two on a favorite teacher. Um, but that's just, it was just innocent. I would imagine we're laughing about this as most guys, I think, are. But if the roles were reversed and it was a 24, 24-year-old male teacher and a 17-year-old female student, we probably wanted this guy to go to jail for life. You know what, John? I'm I'm not uh, laughing at it or looking at it in any different way because it's the, fe- the older female and the younger male. But I think this is not um, this is one where the the student was very very into it and pursued her. Because either way, it's wrong. Yes, but I, I think obviously for most most people would would figure that the male was the predator. I. I I don't know that that was always true, though. I think there are young males. Obviously, there are young males who get preyed upon, who don't want it to happen, and it happens. Do you, don't you don't think, believe that? I don't believe that. I don't believe you're going to get a lot of sympathy for the fact that uh, most guys would have said, just keep it quiet. <laughs> That's really interesting. So you're thinking, you know, for most young guys, yeah, of course they would want to be with the teacher. Absolutely. Okay, interesting. It's interesting, John. I think um, I think a lot of people feel that way, and that's probably true in many cases. But while we acknowledge that, I think let's also not forget that there are young males who are preyed upon uh, by older women and older men, and and they are able to be the victim. I'm getting text messages too of people saying he just shouldn't have told anyone, and lucky him, and all that kind of stuff. So that is a, a strong perception out there. But let's not forget that young males can be victims of older women teachers. It happens all the time. Hi, Glenn. Hey, how you doing? Great, thanks. Go ahead. Well, it's obviously she lost her moral compass at 24. She is not mature or 
in a, at any level of intelligence to hold that position as a teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm actually shocked she made it through because nowadays the training they would have received would be unprecedented when it came to uh, relationships and so forth. Well, either she lost her moral compass or she never had one in that area because... Well, I, that's quite possible. Yeah, she... Makes you wonder what kind of uh, students, teachers, and roles we're, uh, we're putting out. But I, I will say that it sounds just like our other um, issues that we're finding out that uh, people just don't take responsibility for their own actions. Interesting. Even at 24. Yeah, no, it's interesting stuff. And I was going to say, I mean, this obviously happened in the U.S., so it's a different uh, teaching system in some ways. But we, I mean, we complain so much about young teachers not being able to have the opportunities to have jobs. And then you get a 24-year-old who thinks of herself as a student because she says she's the victim in the relationship and she sounds heartbroken. Not only that, she's lost her job. And she faces jail time for being in what she thought was a real relationship with a student. Hi, Cameron. Hi, Barb. How are you? Great. Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, two comments I wanted to make. Uh, the first one being that if the, uh, the sexes were reversed, if it was actually a male teacher and a female student, uh, and the male teacher accused the female student of coming on to him, I'm sure we wouldn't even be discussing this because everybody would laugh at that. Oh, and they wouldn't I, even given the given, given the time of day. Uh, maybe and, who knows? We might be discussing it, but I hear I get your point. Second point is uh, I definitely do feel that the 17 year old is responsible as well, and the reason that I do, if he's courageous enough to actually walk in uh, on his teacher and make moves on her, he obviously thought that through. And, you know, if they're saying, well, you know, he's, he wasn't mature enough, he's not quite 18 yet. I mean, that's one year away. But I, I think you're, if you're able to make that decision on your own, that I'm going to go in and come on to my teacher. Right. Then he should, if he can do the crime, he should face the time. It's like he's either um, egotistical or confident to the point where it's a challenge to him to sleep with the teacher. And then she ends up facing jail because of it. Yeah, and obviously he's mature enough to realize that, listen, the consequences of this, if it does get out, she's, her, her career, she's destroyed. Well, and it's he's, not, he's... It's not like he's five years old. I mean, he must have known that as a fact. I mean, it's not the first time it's happened in, in, in the media. Sure. Yes, and it happens, it seems, in the U.S. all the time. Not only did he know that, he apparently, according to her, threatened her with that when she wanted to break off the relationship. He said she needed to continue because he was going to ruin her. Hey, Michelle. Hi there. How are you? Good, thanks. Go ahead. Well, I think um, I have a couple of different feelings about this. I feel like he is a predator. It uh, doesn't matter what his age is. He certainly had some control in the relationship, which he used uh, to exert some control over her. But I can't take away from the fact that she's a teacher. Um, she um, is a paid educator. Um, she was there um, with the fa- you know, As far as the family is concerned, they felt that she was covering a specific subject in class, and that's what the teach what the, the children were being taught. As far as um, her being a paid educator and having a relationship with an underage student, it's a no-brainer. She right. she needs to be punished, and if she cannot be an educator and um, know those limits, then she shouldn't be a teacher. And as far as he's concerned, they need to be looking at, uh, you know, what he was doing um, to 
continued the relationship, how he exploited her. Um, do, do you think of him as a victim? I think the fact that he's 17 under um, her guidance as his uh, as her student, um, that's the conflict yes. for me. Because it doesn't really matter how ex- aggressive he was, the fact that he was 17, not yeah. an adult. No, I agree. I agree, Michelle. Thanks a lot for the call. I've got to cut it off because we're out of time. Um, And I think we all agree, except for some of the guys who are texting, we all agree it was absolutely the wrong thing to happen. You just cannot do that when you are a teacher. It just, I think, presents an interesting conversation because the student was the aggressor and she actually felt like she was in a real relationship with a student who was seven years younger than her. You've been listening to a segment from the best of the night side with Barb DeGiulio podcast. Log on, listen and download the latest podcast right now by visiting Newstalk1010.com.